Välkommen till EdTech Tuesdays. En intervjupodd om innovation, lärandekultur och teknologier för lärande. Vi samtalar med svenska och internationella innovatörer, investerare, thinkers och doers som utmanar status quo. Podden produceras av Snabbfoting, en ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. Great, Peter. It's so nice to have you in EdTech Tuesday podcast. Uh, can you tell a bit about yourself? I'm glad to join the conversation. I work at, at Novo Nordisk as the head of digital learning and analytics, which means I have a global role where we oversee digital learning and uh, system architecture and data and all sorts of things across the globe. We are represented in, I think, more than 90 countries around the world, trying to defeat diabetes and other chronic uh, diseases. And lovely purpose, a lovely company to work for. And yeah, and I've been there for four years now. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, if we discuss, if, if you think about data and analytics, why is that a passion for you? That's a good question. Um, I actually rarely get that question. It seems so obvious today with digitalization and, and data that, that a passion around that isn't isn't um, it's not it's you know it's normal. Let me say that much. Um, but uh, it's actually been there for quite a while. It comes back to back in the day. I worked in in semi-public institutions and doing digital learning and learning activities. I worked as a teacher. I also worked in in the wind industry in digital learning, and I'm constantly haunted by the question how do i know that the stuff that i do and put out there for people uh, the learning requests becomes an e-learning or a face-to-face training or a blended learning whatever it is kind of you know assets out there resources out there learning pathways whatever it is um does it actually work mm-hmm. and <laughs> really been haunted by not being able to answer that question so I've, i've i've been passionate about looking into how Can we actually say something smart about whether our learning solutions that we um, bring to people, whether they actually make a difference in the way they're supposed to make a difference? Mm. I'm not talking about uh, whether people learn something or not. I think from all experiences, you learn something. Mm. <laughs> and, and if you learn the right or the wrong things, well, I mean, yeah, it does matter, um, obviously, to to the person who's supposed to learn these things, but does it matter to the company? Does it matter to the the purpose for the purpose and the things that we're supposed to do as a company? And I think that's why I'm employed is to make sure that the workforce learns the things that you know they need to learn to take the company to next steps or next levels or even just improve people's well-being or whatever purpose we have with the learning. Do we actually fulfill that? And what I've seen Uh, you know what? What I it's it's getting a lot better. Let me say that much. But um, mm. usually it stops at let's ask people if they think they've learned something. Let's ask them before. Let's ask them during. Let's ask them three months after or six months after the learning experience. Did you learn what you're supposed to learn? The learning objectives. Can you still answer the questions around that so that we know that you're you're now capable of these things, um, or at least repeating what you've learned and. I don't see that as any evidence to whether people are actually using the learning to do the things that they need to do for the good of themselves or the business. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm 
still haunted <laughs> by <laughs> this question around can we actually prove a correlation we can't go to causality or it's really difficult right because there are so many variables which can interfere when you've learned something and you put that to use was it in the training that made the difference was that the training responsible for the business results or the yeah. outcome of what you know I, I we can't say that because there are so many variables mm. but if you have enough data with enough people and enough contexts you can say something really really smart with a high confidence interval on if i do this again if i repeat this uh, experiment or if i repeat putting this learning um, intervention in this context then the probability of me getting this outcome is mm. much bigger than if I do something else. And, and then we can repeat that and start measuring over time. Can we put the same learning intervention or similar learning interventions in a context A, B, C and get similar outcomes? If we could do that enough times uh, over time, mm. then we can say that there's a strong correlation between putting this learning intervention out there and getting this business result. And that's exactly where I want to go. And it's a little bit scientific, which is also unusual for me because I, I don't even have a master's degree. Mm. I'm not, I'm not educated from a university. I don't mm. know a lot about science, mm. but it's, it's, it's kind of, it comes from a different place. I am haunted by this question, and I want to go as close to proving things as possible. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And uh, data, that is one part of it. And as yeah. you said, measurement. And analysis, that yeah. is another part. Uh, uh, is it like a gap in the analysis? Because we can collect a lot of data, but yeah. in some way, okay, what do we collect uh, and why? Uh, what do we want from that data? Um, so the anal anal analyzer phase, uh, do you spend much time there or is it a gap? Yeah, it's uh, a good question as well. Um, you ask very good questions. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, I, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> yeah, well, good. Yeah. Well, we, we can yeah. collect a lot of data. That's correct. And um, I think most people struggle there actually already in the L&D world thinking, I can't really get access to the data. And um, so that's, that's one obstacle uh, often that I hear. But if you've got access to the data, then yes, you will be looking at a lot of data. And then what? And what you don't want to do is start analyzing all that data and look for patterns and stuff because you don't have a question to come in, in with. And that's why mm -hmm. I think the golden thing is like form a hypothesis, find a business problem, and then, you know, say, if I do this, I suspect that the outcome would be this. And then you start testing and then you look at the data set that you need for that hypothesis specifically to see if your learning intervention can change things around a business problem. Mm. And and that's why you need, I mean, you need enough sources of data to be able to correlate saying, okay, sales numbers for once. If I want to see if our sales training is actually making a difference in the sales numbers, I probably need access to sales tra training or sales uh, numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I probably also need uh, access to what trainings people are completing, uh, salespeople are completing, mm. at what time, so I can correlate development within these two. But then I only have two data points. I've got sales training completions and I've got sales training. There can be a million variables in that context. So we also want to know a lot about people. We want to know a lot about their behavior in the organization. So we can start correlating with more data and see if there's any um, correlations between some of those that we need to take into account. Then it becomes a little bit more complex, right? 
but just starting out being curious as you are saying, oh, I wonder what would happen if I took this little group of people, put them through a sales training, specifically targeted at improving sales in this aspect, and then looking at the development three, six, nine months later. And then I have a control group next to that. I don't expose them to any of, of the stuff that I've done, but I let them go. And then I correlate between these two groups. I might even have an ABC version of my intervention. I deploy to different things. And, and this is how you work scientifically. Um, mm. It takes a little, sounds like really cumbersome. Why am I doing that for 20, 30 people? And I have responsibility for the full global population of 50,000 mm. people. But mind you, if, if you just put one learning intervention together and you think this is the best thing that I can create, right? How do you know that that will work? Mm. The short answer is you don't. You don't know. So what you really need to do is to test it before you deploy it to 50,000 people. Because if 50,000 people need to take a 45-minute e-learning, Mm. That's a lot. That, that that's like you know, that's thirty-five thousand, thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand hours that mm. you're just spending of the organization's time. That's expensive. Absolutely. And, and if there's no outcome of that, then you know, yeah, that that's not good. So what we want to do is is test more and more frequently in smaller contexts before we deploy. Um, and that's sometimes really difficult because you know there's not a lot of resources in L and D in corporate functions and you are targeted or tasked with a lot of stuff that, that you're expected to, de to deliver to the organization. So it can be a little bit tricky to go about it that way, but, but that's the only way I see that we can get close to saying, okay, we actually know that our stuff is working. And uh, which organizations can do this uh, test? This is like small organizations as well, or is it the size as you work for in Novo Nordisk? I would say anyone. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think size really matters in that context. No. It's just the practice around how do you deploy your things. And mm. it's funny because if you look at any other you know, department in a company, you look at marketing, you look at product, you look at quality, you look at production, they wouldn't change things without having tested it thoroughly first because it mm -hmm. has a lot of consequence if you don't do it right. But in learning development, it seems different. It seems like we can deploy anything and we can't really you know, see the consequence of doing it wrong because no one really looks at that afterwards. It's like we've deployed this wonderful program and did it work? We definitely hope so. A lot of people took it. They seemed happy and like, okay cool but did it work it seems like too complex in our minds to actually go and measure whether these things made a difference or not and it's yeah i don't really get it because we are actually spending quite a lot of money on it mm. small or big company mm. it's and not everything the... you can measure right you, you can't measure everything so uh, yeah. we have to remember that and i the counterpart of, of the the arguments around that that I face, which is really great in, in the communities all around, is we can't and we shouldn't measure everything. And I get that we shouldn't know, but at least some of it. Mm. Uh, and uh, thank you, Peter. Wonderful. Uh, your experience from uh, organizations uh, worldwide. Um, what is their knowledge? about data and measure learning programs? 
Oh man, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very different, right? I think even our maturity is is not super great. Um, we're definitely trying, and I'm, you know, I'm passionately banging the drum, trying to get it, <laughs> trying to get it set up, and and trying to do this, re- you know, over time, um, thoroughly enough. But it 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 does take resources that you have to allocate to this, and it just isn't easy if you haven't got a lot of resources and still need to deliver all the stuff that you're tasked with from the organization so allocating resources to this learning analytics bit um, it can be difficult for many organizations is what i see it's not really getting prioritized and i understand why Um, but i am seeing a lot of interest all around for this topic i think it's only natural like if someone comes around asking is this actually working and then people probably would be saying, wow, are we really looking at that? And then there's the other side of that plate is you can do so much cool stuff with analytics. Mm. So it takes the blindfold off. You probably know more about how your stuff is traveling in the organization. Does it really work? Does it make a difference? But you also have a lot of information around in a data piece where you can start, you know, starting your your, your um creation of your learning intervention with a hypothesis thinking if i do this intervention then this will happen mm. then you can actually get a baseline yeah you can, you can see what's it what's the problem that we're trying to fix what's the numbers um, and then we're, when you're looking at the target group right you're looking at the, the you know let's say it's all the salespeople in latin america that you're targeting with something because there's a sales um, intervention that you want to do and training is the answer great let's go do it then you can get a lot of information about your target group on how to you know, structure your learning intervention, saying we know that they're on the road from eight to five, probably don't have time, but they're in waiting rooms, sitting with their iPads, waiting for the, the, the doctor anyway or the client or whatever. Is that the time where we can put this intervention on the device in that format, in that, you know, and then start pulling that, that through? So, you know, you've, you've, with, with the data piece, you've got a lot of information. Also, tenure, how long have people been in the company? Do we need to take people with high tenure who've been long long time in the company through the same stuff as the people who just joined how's their onboarding there's so many data points that you can you know, mm. subtract from your own systems mm. which could tell you patterns around how to structure and, and design your learning intervention as well so yeah you can you can do a lot with it um yeah but and and the people and the people in lnd uh it's one part of all this uh but if we have a quick look at the vendors, uh, do they support you well? Uh, the people working in learning and development that need to figure out these analytics. Uh. I, I'd say um, we have, especially in Novo Nordisk, I can't say, say for any other companies, I can t- tell you about mm. the network. I mean, I, I meet so many brilliant people in this industry. So many passionate people about make you know they're all about making a difference for other people and they're so curious on how to optimize their ways of mm. working and you know all that stuff i think data is still a little bit of a mm, what do i do i'm a, i don't think people are afraid of it but it, it can be a little bit cumbersome and it mm. does make things a little bit harder for people because they might need to stop and prolong the process mm. while they're getting expect you know expected to pull something out and deliver that in three months if you include data in that, in that might take you longer because you need to set it up differently. And, and that's not easy for people. And then the whole thing around thinking in that way, thinking, okay, I'll start with the problem. Mm. I'll start with the opportunity. 
I'll start with the thing that's supposed to change in the business or with people, and then I'll design from there. That's rarely, it's not a, a legacy process, let me say that much. Usually someone comes around saying, we need project management training for this audience. We need this leadership academy. We need this compliance academy. Okay. And then they start working from that premise saying, okay, we probably need it because someone says we need it, right? Mm. And, you know, it's not always possible to stand up to that and say, wow, okay, fantastic idea. Let's check what is the problem that we're trying to fix. Mm. And I don't hold L&D um, people accountable to that because it's really difficult to go into the business and say, wow, okay, great idea. It's going to take six months more if we do the analysis properly and we find the problems we're actually trying to solve. It's like they've got their idea around what they need, so they will probably go and make it without you. Mm. Um, and that's the dialogue that we need to keep um, growing with the business and saying, okay, guys, fair enough, get them in early and then also make our processes more lean around this and understand it better. So it's a maturity uh, mm. journey, but I'd still say, so many brilliant people in learning development all over the globe and also inside our company that I'm I'm reassured that we'll get there someday. It just takes a little bit of time. Do you have any success stories to share? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as you probably <laughs> know, inside a company, um, things travel up, up and down, you, successes and things get dragged out a little bit and there's all sorts of things happening. But what we're doing right now and what we've we have been doing for a while is to use data um, internally with our learning interventions to create what we call targeted campaigns. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a bit of a marketing practice and it, it's, it's, it's hot right now in the learning development um, mm -hmm. areas to include marketing. And I think that's really good. Um, so what we do is we take, let's say um, a class or a course where we don't have enough signups for it, or we can't get traction and, it's, you know, most people have a, you know, like you and I, we have a work day. We don't have time to sit down and, you know, we don't prioritize time to sit down and train on something or do something mm. learning related. We learn every day and we've got a lot mm. of time for learning, but training is difficult to fit in. And um, and even just communication around your, your inbox is also like packed. So how do you how do you prioritize to get away from all that stuff that's coming in and then sit down and, and you know take some focus time and do something? What we try to do is use data to target people. So we know from our learning systems what, what skills people are interested in developing. We also have a lot of um, demographic data on people, where they're from, their tenure, their preferences, all sorts of things. And we might other have other data points from the business saying how's performance doing in their areas and all that. Then we can say if and send an email saying, hi, Eva, we know that you rated yourself a three on project management in six months ago. We also know you haven't really done any learning interventions since then. This new learning intervention just came in, proved very valuable in other contexts in Novo Nordisk. So if you want to take your project management skills to the next step, click on this link and take this to our course somewhere or whatever intervention it would be. Mm. So we're using data points that you gave us combined with the data points we have from the business. And then we deploy that straight to your inbox in a personalized way. And that's how we, we try to use um, marketing um, and data together. 
to promote some of the things that we want people to develop within. And and these skill selections, it's not only what people selected themselves, but that's the primary source. But we can also, if there's roles, critical roles in our company or learning, you know, pathways, the career pathways that people need to take, we can also nudge people to take those journeys. Mm. For one, we have an ambition, like a lot of other companies right now, to have more female leaders in our senior positions. So how do we help from learning and development doing that? Well, we have these wonderful programs for upcoming senior leaders. And we can look at the the split between how many women are applying for the positions, how many women are going on these uh, programs Mm -hmm. versus how many men. Mm. I know it's a very simplified uh, diversity and inclusion aspect, but it is applicable, Mm. right? And what we need to do is obviously find all the female upcoming talents um, that we have a lot of in our company and get this in their inbox saying, we know that you are, you know, and wouldn't it be great if you went on this program? Um, and, and those are some of the things that we're trying to notch and push with data, which I think is is pretty cool. And it's working. I mean, we are measuring, um, and it seems so simple, right? If you send an email to people, yeah, obviously you get better conversion rates, but mm. we're also benchmarking between personalized messaging and not, you know, and control group gets nothing, just get generic, like in the company, you're doing this, but how many are signing up organically? And we can see that our conversion rates are much, much bigger if you use these personalized messages. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to get people active and engaged. I think we've got a huge engagement problem in, in L&D in general. We're always talking about getting people on a platform. Like, yeah. who, who wants to go on a platform? I don't want to go on a platform. Mm-hmm. But if you get a straight link with something that you feel is just for you, yeah, and there's a higher probability you actually do it. And if it's linked to your journey through the you know career pathway in your company development opportunities, it's relevant for you. Then it's more, the, much more likely that people do it, right? And the platform, it is the technologies that it is uh, an enabler. Uh, you need so much more, as you say, to, to make them engaged. Yeah. In the learning, yes. And um, and how important? Uh, yeah. We, we, we said engage. How important is the learning experience to, to make them engaged? Do you have uh, any tips and tricks? Uh, how, how can we engage the people, the employees or learners uh, in the learning uh, course or journey? I think, it's, I think it's important. I can't prove it's important. I haven't seen research that says that it makes the learning experience more or the outcome more effective or the outcome better if we engage them more in our learning intervention. But I think it can't really hurt. And I like, personally, I like being activated. Um, and sometimes I don't, which is frustrating, but that's also a learning experience. If I, you know, sit and I really have to do something like, oh man, I have to, I really have to do something here. I, I can't just click through and just do this. It's like, oh man, okay. But but it actually works, right? So I click through it. I do the stuff I need to do and I can feel that I actually learned something, which is great. Mm. So I, I do think thinking about engagement, obviously a lot of, you know, instructional designers would say the same. So I, but I just can't prove it, but I think it's really worth it a lot of the time. So we use uh, adaptive learning engines to do something like that, make sure that people get a lot of questions around their knowledge level within something or their application level and then they answer those questions and only go through the materials which mm. are relevant for them because we you know the the machine learning algorithm can sort out all the stuff that doesn't really um it's not necessary to show people because they already know so some of that um is great and then we're obviously 
trying to engage people in a million other ways. Um, it'll be a little bit, little bit more difficult online than or digital than it, than it is face-to-face. -face. So, yeah. Um, but I think, there, you know, engagement um, is a lot of things. We want people to be engaged in their careers. So we want them to stay in the company and develop into wonderful people and employees, mm -hmm. right? We want, to, want them to succeed as best as possible inside our company. It's our task to help them do that. Yeah. So there's one thing about getting them engaged and actually developing and learning stuff. And then there's the thing when they then engage with us, it also has to be great. I mean, it has to be great experiences. Um, it's funny because the research that I've read on these things actually correlates better when you frustrate people when it's not a great experience, you or I mean, it's it, there's frustration involved. Let's say that way. There's no correlation between happiness and actually learning something. Probably the opposite, actually. So measuring people's satisfaction about something actually doesn't really tell you if people learn something. So from a nerdy learning and development perspective, I'd probably like to frustrate people more to get a better <laughs> result. But at yeah. the end of the day that's not going to keep me in my job to keep everyone dissatisfied about our solutions. So I think we need to strike some kind of balance in a healthy way. Um, it's a difficult conundrum, that one. And uh, how important is learning in an organization? Uh, we we have had uh, several years with uh, uh, COVID. Uh, now we have um, uh, lots of... Uh, uh, we have the layoffs of people. So yeah. how, how can we have them to stay in the organization? Is it, is it important with learning? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> but, but, well, it is absolutely now important. you have your time here, Peter, to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to, to say that it's so important with learning and development. Yeah, but, but I, I, it's a super important to the people working in learning and development, that's for sure. And for a lot of people in the organization, it's also important because that's what every survey that I see uh, says that people can't but it's also a difficult question to answer no to right is learning development important for you no i mean yeah of course it is so kind of a silly question i mean learning happens in a lot of ways that we don't control from learning development we have mm. to remember that yeah in conversations in interactions mm. in experiences that's not structured by a learning development department so that we have to have respect for, and we cannot structure and facilitate every piece of learning in the company. We can't, but we can offer training in the places where we need people to upskill, to master things, uh, either for the future or to solve problems or get opportunities right now. And that I think is important because, you know, strategies locally, let's say they should shape the picture of where a department or region or an area is going, right? You're part of a, um, a unity there and you there's a strategy for your area. You need to go somewhere. So you are contributing to that. Do you have the skills? Do you have the capabilities to go and do those things? And I think that's great to take that up front as much as we can to say, do we need to reskill, upskill some of our people to do these things that are coming our way? Um, so a very recent example inside our just our small team where I work is We've been through a lot with deploying a learning experience platform, looking at data and all sorts of stuff. And then we went on to say, okay, we need to do these marketing campaigns, but we didn't have anyone who was capable of 
doing marketing it's practice right so you mm. there, there are fundamentals around how you do it you don't just do it there's there's well you can but it probably wouldn't be as successful so we decided to take one of us team members and say you are going to be trained while you're doing these things in your work mm. we need you to go on you know and this was a program that's structured uh, stretched over a couple of months we need you to go on this program while you're working with these tasks to become a master of learning marketing and then we can start doing these campaigns uh, alongside wonderful example of adding skills to a not only a person but but a job and and develop that person and develop that role so that we now have these capabilities in the team and can run with the strategic things that we need to do which is marketing within the learning function and there's a lot of other examples where you can go okay we've got a person here he's capable he she's capable of this mm-hmm. great um but we need with the strategic you know changes and covid could be one of them right i mean the way you sell the way you market is just different because a lot more is, is digital online interactions are different what do we need people to be able to do now or one year ahead and then we start upskilling people uh, for that purpose i think that's you know incredibly important that um a learning development function maybe paired up with strategic workforce uh, planning can do some of that work especially in the critical places where we need people to do things differently in the future i think that's paramount mm. um in an organization can you see um the need more collaboration with other uh, departments in the organization i can be a little bit cheeky and say i think lnd um in the places i've been and seen probably needs more interactions with the business mm. <laughs> probably need to get out there really get off the chairs and get out there and and work um straight in the business with the problems and opportunities they can see there it's difficult right because legacy has not been our purpose the purpose has been sitting there a little bit decentralized saying okay we need these programs we need these uh, academies we need these journeys these topics these overall things has to be on the shelves put it on a learning platform and here we go mm. Um, and there's been, you know, plenty of work for the amount of resources that's been available. I think interacting more with the business, and I know so many good people in L&D still who are, and also in our company, who's really doing that well. Mm. Um, but it seems a little bit less interesting because you're probably only helping a smaller audience at a time. Mm. But you're probably also creating a lot more value than if you're doing the whole across the board thing. So, um, mm. but it just doesn't seem as sexy. It doesn't seem as cool. So, mm. yeah, I think we need more interactions with the business. We can't get enough of those. That's definitely sure. But lo- as as learning and development function, we need to work very closely with our partners in talent attraction, in strategic workforce planning, in mm. people analytics, especially. Mm. Yeah, that, you know. The, the the process of getting a person inside a company hiring that person the data that travels across there until you need to develop them into some you know th- that planning goes across different areas mm. rewards all sorts of things inside what you'd call normal hrp and o um practices but mm. so that's one side of it the employee journey through but we have to work really closely with the business because they're mm. the only one who understands the full context of what people are doing and where they need to go Yeah. So uh, all those interactions are are interesting. Do you have any favorite uh, metrics uh, when you create learning programs? Yes, uh, business numbers. 
that's definitely lovely. I mean, <laughs> if, if we're if we're doing something for sales, look at sales numbers. If we're doing something yeah. for production, look at deviances in production or production mm-hmm. efficiency numbers or lean numbers or whatever. If you're working with quality, look at the you know quality metrics that you're in. People, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can grab mm-hmm. in the business. If you're looking into compliance, look at the compliance numbers. Mm. IT security tickets, IT tickets, where are the problems, what are we trying to solve? Those are my favorite numbers and they're, they're difficult to, you know, that's a difficult process to get that turned around to something that you're actually doing. Um, the other favorite metrics that I'm use, I, I, I like to use is, is the metrics we've, and the information we have about people that we can use, right? Mm. And we have to be very mindful of GDPR and data privacy. We take that super seriously in, yeah. in our setup. So but there's a lot of stuff that is available um, around how people work and network analysis. When we do that, I really like that to see how people are connected. It always surprises me. Um, there's a lot of data points there that I'm really fond of. The, the things that I'm probably least interested in is the, the learning completions or the training completions. Um, it's only vanity metrics that 15,000 people went through this. Oh, great. But does that actually mean for the business mm. yeah often that becomes I and mean, people say that it's like we had fifty thousand visitors on our lms last week like great mm. i mean congratulations <laughs> how much time did they spend there and if that's you know and where they they spend the time <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. what did they do and how did that really materialize for you guys as you know in the business um as a business how did that or did it improve people's well-being? Are people happier now? Are people, mm. you know, less stressed? Are, do you have less, um, you know, do you have less retention issues? Or what, 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 what did that materialize into? Otherwise, it's just a cost. Yeah. And that's where I have a hard time celebrating spending money that I don't know where it's going. So, um, yeah, those are my favorite ones. Mm, lovely. Um, and if you, yeah. Summarize three important takeaways uh, from the episode today to the audience. Uh, what do you say then? Yeah, I, I think it's it's important not to be. Um, you don't have to think that you are far behind everyone else because you're not working a lot with data and all sorts of stuff. If you're an L and D professional today and listening to this, don't be too hard on yourself. One, it's pretty easy to get started on this journey if you want to. Two, you're working against a massive layer of legacy where it's not expected by you know the business for L&D to do something like this. So we're not asked to do these things. We're not celebrated to do these things. On the contrary, we are always celebrated for delivering stuff that the business wants. And, and it's difficult to be in a situation where you actually want to go and find out did this work, but there's no real want from anyone else and that's where I think um, you have to go easy on yourself. Um, I mean, you can start slowly and you can start collecting data and you can start setting it up and you can, into, you know, in your programs, learning programs or learning interventions, you can start slowly by saying, so what's the problem that we're trying to solve? And then when you can work with metrics in that context, do it by all means. Um, and if you can't, don't be too hard on yourself. The other thing is, uh, number two, is marketing start thinking about who you expose your stuff to because if you just send an email to everyone that's going to waste everyone's time and it's probably not going to be relevant for everyone so and when all these 
all emails go out with a lot of things. It's it's really just, you know, spray and pray. So what you already can do with a lot of the people data that you have is to identify an audience and then market it straight to them in the context with relevance, giving them a message saying, we know that you are you, so this is why you're getting this. And I think that that's heavily important. Mm. Um, the third thing is it does not take a lot of resources to do this. And you don't have to be an expert in data science or data analytics to do this. I am a living, glowing example of that. If you're just curious and passionate about getting these things done, you can go a very long way. So don't hold yourself back because you don't think you've got the right background or understanding of statistics or machine learning or deep uh, you know, analysis. Just take it easy and start with pure logic. Um, and then ally yourself with the great learning community. There's a lot of people out there who, has, who is already working with, with data and learning who would be more than happy to help you out on your journey. So yeah, that, that's, it doesn't have to be that hard. Mm -hmm. Awesome, super takeaways. Uh, that's great to hear, Peter. Um, soon it's time to, to run this uh, episode, uh, but uh, first, do you have a launch you are very proud of, a uh, training program or similar? Uh, well, I think I think we've got a lot of things. Um, or something else, a project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just thinking. Um, there's a lot of things to be proud of, and I think we celebrate too little. Um, More uh, celebration. Yeah. Let me. The, the thing that I'm most proud about, to be honest with you, um, and it doesn't matter if it's a success or not, it's True. always finding out if something worked or not. So we're running campaigns and we're getting numbers in on the efficiency, like the conversion rates. And I thought... I was really cocky. So I thought in the, you know, in the team, I said, I think this campaign will run a lot better because it's just got that personalized message. It really works. And we ran control groups on it. And it turned out that the other version was really uh, just the generic one just worked nearly double as good as the one that I thought would just slam through the roof. Um, and so I was wrong. I, I was really wrong and that doesn't matter because <laughs> it was my hypothesis and it, I got proven wrong. And I think just getting to the place where you get answers like this all the time, facts on the table is the thing that I'm most proud about that we've actually created a setup where you can get results. We can also see we deployed this campaign. We did this, people signed up and now we're looking at the longer term saying, how are the numbers looking? Super proud of mm -hmm. that. It doesn't mean we get results short term. It's a, it's a, it's this is the long game, and and it's difficult to get. You know, this is probably the fourth thing. It takes a long time to set these things up, and that's difficult to sell upstairs, isn't it? I mean, if you go to senior management saying it's going to take five, ten, fifteen years to get set up, they'll probably go, "What? Are you kidding me? We, <laughs> we need results now, right?" I mean, this is fair enough. I mean, for business, yeah. right? But, 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 um, it's just so incremental. It takes time. Mm. To get to a point where you you set up your data foundation, you get the marketing campaigns in if you want to do that, and then you start setting up your programs with a business purpose, you start measuring baseline, you deploy, and then over 6, 12, 18 months time, you see a difference because it takes time for people to react, react and behave differently, mm. right? So mm. so it it just it's a long game, it's a long journey. I think what I, what I'm most proud about in that context is that we now are at a place 
where we can start asking questions and get answers. Um, it sounds simple, but it's really, it's really, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a battle, and and I'm proud of where we are now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great. What happens next? I I see you on uh, different exhibitions sometimes, and uh, yeah, do you have any plans uh, next coming uh, month or this year? Yeah, we've we've got a we've always got plans, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I I think we want to get even closer to start proving some of the very strong correlations, and we'll get very close to that in the next um, year to proving some of that you know, correlations in the more important areas of our company, like sales, we'll take a look at some of that more closely. Um, and that takes resource to do because you go, you got to look into the programs and what they're supposed to change. And we've got to look into the baseline numbers and then say, take a look at the development over time and all the other variables that would be accountable. So that that's the plan to get very much closer to that. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that 23 might be the year where we, really hypercharge the campaigns around uh, development and learning uh, inside Nova Nordisk and really getting out there to the leaders and the employees in the company, you know, and, and get them closer to the learning agenda and the development agenda, get that more on the table out there. I think that might be the year where we, where we launch that. And I, I'm, I'm super passionate about that because mm. um, I think people will like it. That's one thing. But I also think we have so many brilliant people in the company, which we'd like to keep developing mm. uh, to to get the company to where it's, it, it needs to be. And uh, and that's what one of the one of the mechanisms that we need to do is to make our things more well known and and get people on the right things and get them excited about things. So um, that's probably the other things that uh, the other thing that I'm looking most uh, most forward to. And uh, how uh, do you learn best? <laughs> um, I think the ability. Uh, to learn is super important. Um, mm. And most of the time, I mean, then we have to separate it. When I notice, um, because I learn a lot without noticing, which is probably good, right? So yeah. I do. Um, but I've actually, um, I think it's really different in the context of things. I learn so much from having conversations with people. Mm. And I seek that quite a lot. Um, but now I've also realized that I need some more foundation in some of the places, especially around the data science bit, um, which I'm really nerding with right now and the people analytics things and what can you actually do and combining. So I'm, I've signed up for a few courses, do online courses uh, merely, and I really like it. I really like the autonomy of being able to set my own pace and doing things like that. And I, I'm, I've noticed I, I don't really need people around me when I, you know, look at these videos or, you know, do these assignments. But then I have conversations with people afterwards about it and that, that reinforces things. So that's just one of my preferences, but it really mm. depends. And I think we have to be very careful around putting preference on, on how we yeah, would yeah. like to learn because Absolutely. a lot of the things we really don't know. It's a lot of, mm. it's a lot about context, isn't it? Yeah, I think it depends on where you are in the life. Uh, do you have a full-time job with uh, yeah, 40 hours, 60 hours per week? Or how, yeah. how much uh, time do we spend at the work? We, we, we learn uh, in different ways in different contexts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, it's time to round up this episode. So fantastic to discuss uh, learning and data and workplace with you. Thank you very much to have you here. It was a pleasure, Eva. Thank you for having me. 
If you like this episode of EdTech Tuesdays and would like to get in touch with Peter, you can find him on LinkedIn. Many thanks for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for the next episode. Du har lyssnat på EdTech Tuesdays, en intervjupodd producerad av Snabbfoting. Vi är ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. Besök oss på snabbfoting.se för att läsa mer om framtidens lärande. Mm.